Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back to Calling All Beings. It is a very special night. We're going to do it a little bit different. I'm your host, DJ. We're going to intro everybody, but it's going to be after we bring on our special guest. We've been waiting for this man longer than I've been waiting for hair. And I mean, I think I literally still had hair when I wanted Lou on the show. And now I don't. So I, I don't know. It's been a while. But anyway, all right. This Floridian brother right here is a retired member. Of the U.S. Army's intel community, he's the former director of the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. He finna drop some knowledge on you. He gonna use words like equities and portfolios and some stuff like this, and I'm gonna be saying at work tomorrow. But wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, DJ, you'll back up. Oh, wait, hold on a minute, man. All right, MotoGP legend is here, number 46, Valentino Rossi, sir. I Yeah, so you'll tell me. You are going to allow me to introduce Lou, and now you've got to get out of the way. Of course, I am MotoGP legend, number 46, Valentino Rossi, and I want to welcome, okay, party people, put your hands together for Luigi Elizondo. <laughs> oh, boy. Hello. It's so good to meet yeah. you. And I have one question to start off the program, Lou. Uh, you are in a San Marino, a UFO conference. MotoGP was in Misano racing, and you don't come and watch me race. What has happened here? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get my uh, visa approved for Italy. There's a few countries that I'm still on the naughty list, so I'm, I'm trying to work through those. Uh, you know, excuse, uh, but uh, in this particular case, um, you know, I'll try for next year. Luigi, you use my name. You're going to come right in. You say, I'm with the 46. Next time, I'm going to fix. Hey, 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 Valentino, back off. It's my show, brother. I'm Italian, man. Get out my way. Molto right. bene, Valentino. Molto bene. <laughs> bene, bene, va bene. All right. So, Lou, welcome, brother. It's so good to have you, man. Um, Listen, really welcome. appreciate it, guys and gals. And uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, apologies. I know this is a long time coming. Um, as you can tell, um, this is a, a bit of a celebration for me. Um, it is uh, my last podcast. Woo! Um, so, this is it. And so uh, I guess in celebration of that, you will see me in a little bit more uh, relaxed, comfortable attire, uh, showing my, my old Florida roots and uh, this to cover a terrible, bad hair day. Not that I ever have a good hair day because I don't, but, but some days are worse than others. In fact, I have a no hair day most of the time. And so um, thank you for allowing me to share this, uh, this evening with you, with you folks. I really, really appreciate it and really looking forward to it. It's nice. an incredible honor, sir. Uh, I was going to, if you had the goatee, I was going to ask you about what kind of beard conditioner. Since I'm not seeing that, I'm going to leave that aside. And we are going to introduce, we're going to do something a little different tonight than we do on CAD. We're each going to introduce ourselves to you, something that uh, we just sort of came up with today. So I'm DJ, a retired uh, AFSOC flight engineer, flew uh, Talons, uh, combat Talons, flew gunships. 
and uh, I'm a yoga student and teacher. Uh, I'm an empath. I'm a pretty underwhelming grappler and uh, just a lover of life in general. And uh, that's me. Uh, and let me pass it to Nathan. Yeah, Lou, great to have you with us this evening. So uh, I co-founded this show with DJ and uh, I have a background in religion and I've been seeking answers regarding these questions of ultimate importance my whole life. Um, I'm focused on the impact of the phenomenon on the human experience. And I believe that truth, whatever it is, is going to be found in our dialogue with one another and in our willingness to ask the big, bold questions. And every once in a while, we'll also cosplay as Jalen Hynek. Yeah! My co-conspirator right there. <laughs> and now uh, let's pass it over to Kevin, our uh, humorist. Hey, my name's Kevin. So I'm the graphic designer, and the uh, I do all the trailers for them. Um, I'm a martial artist also. I'm a husband to an amazing wife and father of five kids. I also teach special ed in a school setting with the goal of transitioning students diagnosed with autism to a, a less restrictive set, uh, school setting. So I research the phenomenon through the lenses of, of my work, through uh, Skinner. Also, I, uh, I'm inspired by Jung, uh, Terrence McKenna, Bruce Lee, and uh, also... Um, yeah, we'll just stop it there. <laughs> yeah. I also like um I like slow walks on the beach because you know I'm a bad hip. You know. Uh, one day a squirrel uh got stuck on my leg and he told me that Gobekli Tepe is actually a, a ancient rest stop. Oh my god. Um shout, okay. shout out to Akashi Chris. I love it. I love Flair. All right, let's pass off. This is our researcher uh, and contextualizer, Deb Collates. Tons of information. She hosts a show called Deb's Data Dojo, and she also has a website called The UFO Connector with tons and tons of information. Ma'am. Okay. Um, you just kind of took away my intro for me, DJ, but it's cool. I'm a, yeah, I'm a mental health practitioner. <laughs> I'm a mental health practitioner. Um, I was invited to help with exploring the UAP hypothesis, and I really wanted to do it in an open-minded way that was informative, supportive, and I really like that we're really um, oriented towards free information and charitable um, giving. And I wanted to just make sure to give a voice to people who have been silenced for a really long time on this issue. And um, I wanted to add that we have something in common. I, too, have been told by someone who worked at the Pentagon to stop talking about UFOs. <laughs> Join the club. All right, let's pass it over to our newest member of CAB, who um, we're so happy to have. She joined us uh, a show or two ago, and Miss Stephanie. And you guys aren't the only one on that. I've been told the same. So um, I'm in that same club. Uh, I'm Steph. I'm from UAP Experiencers. I'm the founder, and I provide a platform for all things UAP uh, phenomenon related uh, for experiencers to come forth and share their testimonials. I um, also am an experiencer myself, and I, you know, I feel for all the people who have been stifled throughout these, you know, past years that have no place to really share. So that's where I come forth. And uh, my family did also own and operate an aerospace machine shop in Southern California, and we provided airplane parts to uh, Lockheed, Boeing, McDonnell Douglas, Northrop. You name it. And uh, we were part of the Stealth Project and the Apollo Project. Wow. Fantastic, oh, folks. Um, 
really, really, really humbled to be here. And, you know, I, um, I've often said this before, and I, and I mean it sincerely. If you want to, uh, if you want to learn about what's out there, you first have to learn about what's in here. Um, mm -hmm. The way we process information, the way we interact with one another, um, uh, you know, every individual is, is different, but we're also very similar in many ways. And um, we all we all look at things, um, certain things in commonality. You know, if we all look at the sun, it hurts our eyes. But uh, we don't all look at everything the same way. And this is a topic that's that's certainly uh, in that category where where a lot of people will look at it differently. And to some degree, I've often explained it as as the three blind persons trying to describe an elephant. Right. And each person is holding a different part of the elephant. One is holding the trunk and saying, no, this is this animal is long and slender and articulated. And someone else is holding the foot and says, what are you talking about? This is the, the animal. I'm, you must be more blind than I thought because the animal I'm, I'm, I'm feeling right now is like a tree trunk. It's sturdy and, and almost immovable. And then you have the other person that's, that's touching the ear and he says, you both are wrong. What are you talking about? It, it's neither one of those. The thing is soft and delicate and, and almost paper-like, right? And the question is, are they all wrong or are they all right from their perspective? And I think I think we need to realize that uh, we um, we simply don't have all the data yet. And we're human beings and we're imperfect creatures and we're going to process information differently, uh, each and every one of us. And I also want to give a quick, before we begin, a profound thank you for those who, who continue to serve our communities, whether it's in special education or helping experiencers or helping people through psychological or emotional trauma. Uh, those who served our countries, um, listen, I was in a 58 model AC-130 gunship and uh, boy, one hell of an experience for sure. Um, and uh, just a big thank you. And, and it's amazing that everybody can be here in this community and, um, and, and come together. Um, one, one quick observation, you know, I, I, I studied quite a bit of martial arts. I did a lot of uh, early on as a kid, started with, with, like most kids, I guess, Taekwondo, and then I really got into Muay Thai. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, most people ever met me. I'm not a, I'm not a tall guy. I tend to be very stocky. And so I don't have the advantage of leverage. Um, so I got into, you know, I wasn't very good at sports, wasn't good at football or baseball. I was always the last kid picked on the team. In fact, I was uh, more of a liability. I was always like where literally everybody was picked before me and they're like, Oh God, we got to lose somewhere. So put him in the parking lot. He can catch a ball out there. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty much, pretty much me. And so I got very good at, um, at Muay Thai. Um, and, you know, at first I realized I, 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 I took these and I got very good at, at, at combat style, you know, martial arts. And initially it's because of, well, I'm going to protect myself and, and I'm going to use it to beat up the bullies that have been beating me up. And I realized after a while, um, I never use it for that. In fact, uh, it wound up becoming something where the more you learn, the more you learn self-restraint. And the more you realize that that's not the way to approach a problem. Um, you don't you don't fight your way out of a problem unless you absolutely have to, and that's what that's what war is for. Uh, and we should try to avoid it as much as possible. And so, when it comes to this topic, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of people that are are, are have have their opinions, and I'm, I'm you know I try to be as respectful as possible. I try to remind myself, although sometimes I'm, I'm not very good at it, to try to be respectful of everybody's position uh, and their opinions because everybody's opinion does matter. Uh, and, um, just, you know, before we have this conversation today, just want to let you all know, 
My intent is for all of us to be able to share a wonderful conversation together. Uh, please feel free to ask me anything you want. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not going to surprise me. You're not going to upset me. Um, please feel free to ask me anything you want. This is it. This is my my last podcast for who knows how long. Uh, maybe sometime in the future I'll do I'll do more. But for now, I'm pretty much getting off social media. I still have my a Twitter page to put information out, but um, I'm, I'm going to continue working behind the scenes and in the shadows. You know, we're so happy to have you, Lou, and we're really here to have some fun, and we might answer a couple questions while we're at it. Uh, that's what this party's all about. Um, what's funny is is what we were going to do after we introduced ourselves is I was going to say to you, Lou, please, if you would uh, say, hi, I'm Lou Elizondo, dot, 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 and you kind of did that anyway, but if you have anything left over that you want to say, please, the floor is yours to, to say to the all community, right. hi, I'm Lou Elizondo, dot, Yeah, dot, DJ. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Lou Elizondo. I'm a Gemini. I like long walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> That's Kevin's and, uh, line. <laughs> pina coladas. How about that? I um, love it. I love it. it. And Elizondo, <laughs> all all analogies, we got to hone them to 30 seconds. We only got uh, 56 minutes left. <laughs> or, excuse got me, it. 46 minutes left. All right. So um, we're really happy. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you something that I think everybody in the community wants to know, and, and I myself want to know, Lou. And I'm curious if you think it's your responsibility to teach us how to make a proper Cuban sandwich. Uh, I've failed. Uh, I've made them. I've bought the bread. I bought the roast pork. I bought the ham. I had the cheese. I, I thought I had the right pickles, and it doesn't come out right. Do, can you offer something to the community about this? Yes, but I'm sworn to Cuban secrecy. Um, yeah, when we come out, when we hit five Jennifer! years old, we're, 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 all, we're all, all, all Cuban kids are provided the secret recipe, and then we're told we can never share it. Um, it's, it's part of our, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's part of this, this secret ritual rite that we have as Cubans. And uh, it's like Cuban coffee, right? You can order a Cuban coffee, and it, people say, well, it tastes like Turkish coffee, but it doesn't. It's, it's something very unique. Um, you know the, the the trick to a, to a to a good Cuban sandwich is finding somebody who's been making them on the street for a long time. If you go down Calle Ocho in Miami, down Eighth Street, and you find yourself a little pandaria or a little bakery there, uh, chances are they can make a really good one. There's a couple really good uh, little restaurants. There's one that's more like a, a street vendor. It's called Las La Palmas. Carreta. Oh, sorry. La Carreta is a great yep. one. The Versailles, <laughs> another really good one. Yep. Uh, you can find sorts of little mom and pop shops. And they all have their little twist on on the Cuban sandwich. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to say. There's lots of really good Cuban dishes. If you ever get a chance, that the name is kind of eh, doesn't sound like it's good, but it's very good. Uh, it's called ropa vieja, uh, old 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 clothes, old rags. Um, but what it is is basically a, a shredded meat um, that has been marinating for a very long time, and it literally just falls apart. You put that over rice and black beans and. And it's just, it's, it's divine. It's incredible. There's some other dishes. One's called picadillo um, mm -hmm. that I grew up on. Another one, um, arroz con pollo, which is very common, you know, and everybody has a different way of making it. Mm -hmm. Some, yeah, it's, uh, everybody has their own, their own, their own twist on it. It's just like Cuban cigars. You know, I, unfortunately, one of my, my guilty pleasures in life, um, there's three things that Cubans do very well coming out of the womb. Uh, the first thing is we all dance salsa and merengue very well. That's just, it's inherent. You come out and you're, you're, you're dead. The, the doctor doesn't even need to spank you. You just come out and you're, you're going. <laughs> um, the next thing is smoking um, cigars. Uh, it's uh, if, if you don't smoke a cigar, you're probably not Cuban. So we try to, <laughs> try to hold back, but we're 
You're, and then the third thing I can't probably talk about on radio, but these are the TV. But those are the only three things we really tend to be good at. This is great. I had no idea there was a priory of Scion regarding like Cuban sandwiches, but now I, I won't expect you to tell me. And I'll just hope that someday I, I find someone and maybe I waterboard well, them and give me a recipe. No, I'm being told right now that I got the, the, the Cuban police. I, okay. I won't. I won't say anything. All right. All right. Good. Then we're gonna get This, this stream is no. going to get interrupted, and, and I no, don't want Lily. that to happen. Yeah. Be careful. Sorry. Um, uh, no, so, we're good. Lou, I have a question for you from uh, former pararescueman Scott Guerin. Um, he's very famous for having someone fall through his parachute uh, and he hit the ground Ooh. doing about 100 miles an hour. He was on the front of Airman Magazine. It's unbelievable wow. story. So well, first Scott, of all, before we go for it, can you explain to your audience? Because I know what pararescue is. Okay. I know what these guys have to go through. I'm uh, not sure your audience can appreciate that. Uh, uh, well, he was on uh, with Deb, but uh, Scott Guerin, USAF. Uh, basically, it's our form of special operator. And what they do is they do combat rescue. They do combat SAR. Uh, if they're in a, a unit like the 24th STS or something, they attach to like SEAL teams and certain U.S. Army units that we don't say the name of. Um, so anyway, uh, Scott was one of those guys, and they go through hell to be able to uh, to to uh, serve w with that edict that others may live. Um, yeah, they, are, they are truly the best of the best. I've had the honor and privilege of working with you know pararescue PJs. Mm -hmm. And they are they are truly the best of the best that the Air Force has to offer. And it's always an honor and privilege working with those with those folks. And and I'm I've I'm honored to be his friend. Now we uh, I met him on Twitter and he came on with Deb and now we talk on the phone. But his question for you is based on what you know, Lou, and your definition of a UFO UAP. Are there any pictures and videos taken by ordinary people then posted on social media platforms such as Twitter that are legitimate unidentified flying objects, such as the objects seen by the military <clears throat> pilots, astronauts, government agencies, and sensitive space platform. So basically, uh, have you seen anything on open source that you say, wow, yeah. that's, that's credible? Yeah, and, and the problem with it is, is that, that the government recognizes it. Um, there are some very authentic UAP images. When people say, oh, they're all grainy and blurry, no, they're not. <laughs> There's some that are really clear and are very authentic um, because we can look at the date and timestamp and the metadata on the video. And we can then correlate that to any other type of assets that may be in the area. And, you know, we're, it turns out that, yeah, we're picking something up that came across, you know, let's say the Pacific Ocean. Now, all of a sudden, someone in San Diego is, I had this real funny light doing these weird things in the backyard. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, man, they got it on camera. Um, yeah, there, there are some very, very, there's one in particular. I, uh, I, I probably can't talk about it, um, but there's one uh, of a triangle, um, and it's at night, and it's uh, not just three points of light. I mean, you can see the skin of the aircraft. Uh, you can see a lot, and uh, to the point where some of our folks were like, well, we, should we take it off, off of the internet? Like, no, don't take it off the internet. <laughs> Leave it up. You know, that's not your video to take down. That's a private citizen's, you know, and yes, they got a great video of a UAP, congratulations, you know, we should probably give them an award. Don't, don't take the video down. Yeah. And I'm from the Hudson Valley. So my friends in high school, I probably have three or four that have seen black triangles during the eighties. Cause I'm a class of 85 kid. But before I take them any more of the time, I have to pass you over to my co-conspirator money, Nathan. <laughs> Thanks TJ. Uh, so this question also comes from a friend of the show, uh, Tim, 
Uh, and it's something I actually wanted to know the answer to as well. So from the hearing yesterday, uh, in response to Representative Gallagher's questions, uh, USDI Moultrie stated he was not aware of anything official which was done between the close of Project Blue Book in 69 and the start of ATIP in 2007. Um, if any official DOD programs, contracts, or even IRADs, which are independent research and development activities, as some folks may not know, were tasked with studying UAP during this period, whom should Congress request to testify who might have actual knowledge of DOD efforts in this regard? Great question. First of all, there are other programs, and they will come to light. Secondly, uh, this is coming from the same people who said that, uh, for the record, that we don't we didn't look at, at the Maelstrom uh, incident here in, in, uh, in uh, Montana because we don't, we, we don't look at information that's not sourced properly. First of all, you're the source, DOD. <laughs> I hate to break the news, but you're the ones who wrote the IIR in the first place that then got foiled and you released to the public. Um, it is, you know, your, your assessment that was done by the engineers, um, how this was not even technically possible. It was your uh, commanders, Bob Salas and others who came forward and actually talked about this and got debriefed. So I find it really interesting uh, that you're saying you're not going to look at uh, non-credible sources. Well, I hate to tell you, but you're the source of the information. Uh, so this is part of the problem. We had contradiction after contradiction. Um, stated by people who were not in the know. Um, how do we know that? Well, the task force has been around for a year and a half, and uh, as of two, 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 two months ago, was comprised of exactly two people. Two. So when they say here, uh, all hands on deck, that means there's exactly four hands <laughs> Both on of the you. deck. That's right. Four hands. Great. Uh, that's fantastic. And so Can't even have a good things, card game. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so when they're saying things like... Uh, you know, we don't know, but uh, the task force is not aware of any any material. Well, you're right, because there's two of you. <laughs> you know, maybe if you decide to look uh, before the task force and look at the legacy efforts and programs that existed, which we know are there because I, I met somebody in the, who ran the, the Navy program in the 80s personally, um, you're probably going to find a lot of what you're looking for. Um, so I, you know, the problem is when you put two, two senior level of people up to testify before Congress, Sometimes they're really telling you the truth. They don't know because they haven't been briefed. And so there's this one degree of separation between those who are doing the work and those who have to go up there and answer before Congress. And, and they're not told everything. Uh, and look, AOIMSG just got yesterday, got their director. So now you have exactly three people. Great. Great. That's fantastic. Um, it took you all this time just to select somebody. Um, Look, I'm not trying to, to beat up the Department of Defense. Um, they do a lot of things, and they do a lot of things very well. Um, I was part of that apparatus. I had the honor and privilege to serve with some of America's finest. But I also took an oath to defend this country from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And it turns out at the end of the day, the bureaucracy was part of the enemy. And the bureaucracy was not allowing the right information getting to the right people so they can make the right decisions. And when that happens, there's a problem. We have to fix it because the bureaucracy isn't a person. The bureaucracy is a systematic issue, uh, and it has to be dealt with. Um, it's no different than uh, if there's there's children in need, and for whatever reason, the system fails them, and the kids now go hungry or without medical care. That's a problem of the bureaucracy. Um, this is no different when we're talking about the topic of UAPs. The system, um, for a long time, was obfuscating and not being completely transparent. Now, um, we have to unwind 70 years of a tangled ball of yarn. 
and it's really tangled and it's really knotted up and it's kind of gross and matted, to be honest with you. It's old. And so how do we untangle this ball of yarn in a way where we don't destroy the very thing that we're trying to preserve? Um, and it's not easy. Um, so anyways, great question. Uh, I, I don't know if I answered it, but, um, you know, I, I, that's what, what Moultrie and Bray were saying. And this is kind of my issue because they're not, they're not, they're not going back, uh, in history. You know, your taxpayer dollars, millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars were spent on some of these black programs. Um, why are we going to reinvent the wheel? Why are we going to start from square one and spend more millions and billions learning something that we already have the data. What, that's that's crazy. What, why would you do that? So, so therein lies part of the problem. Lou, can can I jump in for a second? I'd love to do a Saturday Night Live episode where you and I are are Bray and Moultrie, and I'd be like, uh, uh, Lou, uh, did you have Maelstrom Air Force Base missiles shutting down? No, did you? I, I, I maybe there's something in the media, but I, I don't know. Next question. <laughs> yeah, I've never been. I've never been to Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be great. Kevin, go ahead, brother. <laughs> you know, Nathan and I were just discussing earlier how how well Congress seems to hear things. <laughs> right, Nathan? Maybe it's because they have they they um what is it because they have AIDS? Mm-hmm. They're AIDS in like, Congress, yeah. AIDS in Congress. <laughs> I, I, have, it was like when he like, said AIDS, we went back to the nineties. But, <laughs> well, but they have <laughs> AIDS and we had a hearing and their right. AIDS hearing AIDS hearing Congress AIDS. seems to Pretty, pretty good at hearing some things, yeah. They sure do, yeah. You think they get a discount on their hearing aid plans? At least the uh, <laughs> AOMISG people. Or how so. do you say that? AOMISG? I, I don't know. There's so many. AIMSIG. It's AOMISG. Yeah, but it's 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 ridiculous. They were going to call it Astro for a while. Which actually, I don't believe it. Yeah, ASTRO. And actually, the acronym is really cool and clever. And then someone came up. No, we're going to call AOIMSG. I'm like, that's almost worse than ATIP. You know. Or, or, you know, come on, can we come up with something a little better than that? I think they figure if they can keep it super nebulous. Look, the bottom line is if, if, if we don't know what's going on, damn sure the enemy's not going to know. So it, it's, it's actually a great effective tool uh, when you're, uh, you know, <laughs> when you're worried about the enemy knowing what you're doing, because if you don't know what you're doing, they're going to have a hard time figuring it out too. <laughs> right, right, man. So I had a question actually, um, uh, Another one about the hearing. So um, so around the 53-minute mark, they mentioned a small handful of cases in which they had more data, but they still couldn't interpret due to uh, signature management, which for the listeners, that means stealth, who do, people who don't know that. So that being said, um, are these the frequencies in which the Galileo project is hopefully um, their instruments are going to be capable of exploring? Wow. Uh, great question. Well, first of all, um, the Galileo is doing a great job. Um, I, I love what uh, Avi Loeb and, and his folks are doing. Um, they have a very practical approach. What they are doing is taking technology to get a wild, wide field view and then have uh, tipping and queuing capabilities. Uh, I guess in the vernacular, that means uh, think of a tripwire capability that when it detects something, it then has the ability with another, another technical device to really zoom in. So the problem with cameras, for example, like this on your phone, they're really good at either wide shots or they're really good at super, super focused long shots, um, but they're not really good doing both. And that's why sometimes you have focus problems with cameras because it's trying to hunt for that, for that focus point. So the idea is to have wide angle cameras uh, that have all sorts of neat capabilities and all different 
weather conditions and and day and night, and then uh, through a triggering um, cue system, be able to then really hone in on the target itself and get that high fidelity picture that then allows you to look at telemetry and altitude and velocity and you know all the things you need to determine what something is doing uh, and. It's it's a great idea because then you can you can put these these devices mobile. You can go anywhere in the world. Uh, there's some really clever ideas they have. I don't I don't want to speak for Galileo right now. Um, I haven't talked to Abby about about it, so I don't have permission. But uh, they've got a really good plan. And by the way, there's other organizations and institutions that want to be part of this, and there's other countries. Um, I'm working with several right now overseas to try to see how we can fit those academic institutions uh, neatly and tucked in neatly within the Galileo project. That is awesome, man. I, that that's that's what they need. I I hear more people that are excited about the the Galileo project because of the organic and pure nature of it than uh, than uh, you could believe. It's really amazing. Uh, let me pass you off to our researcher Debs. I know she's she's literally and figuratively chomping at the bit. I love asking questions. Okay, oh, really? so <laughs> okay, so based on yesterday's hearings, would you say the DOD is following the letter of the law as laid out in the NDAA? For instance, the requirement to report on UAP involvement with military nuclear assets, including strategic nuclear weapons, nuclear-powered ships, and submarines, and the requirement to report. UAP-related events that occurred during a period other than that one-year period of review, but were not included in an earlier report. In other words, Lou, do you think the DOD realizes that we can read? Um, I, I, boy, um, it's not whether or not you can read, it's whether or not um, the American people can listen. Um, and DOD sometimes plays both sides against the middle. Um, a lot of people will hear, and as you know this with your background, your, your professional background, people hear what they want to hear, right? There's a, I'll tell you a kind of a, in more humorous way, there's a movie that my, uh, my, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter and I love. We totally geek out. Now, my wife thinks we are absolutely certifiably insane for loving this movie. We love it. And it's called Dumb and Dumber. And there is a, I, I know, I know no judgment. Hey, member said, we're not going to judge here. No judgment. So, uh, it's a yoga studio so, here. <laughs> yeah. So my oldest daughter and she's 25, you know, works, works for the U S government. And, and we just totally geek out on it. And there's a scene. The reason why I bring this up, Deb, is because there's a scene in there where Jim Carrey is playing uh, one of the characters and he's a, a, a limo driver and kind of a, kind of a silly goofy character. And there is this um, very attractive young lady that uh, clearly he is very interested in. And he says, you know, what are my chances on taking you out for a date tonight? And she says, not very good. He says, okay, what, well, but give me my chance. Like one in a hundred. And she starts to kind of recoil. He's like one in a thousand. And she says, no, more like one in a million. And so he gets this big smile on his face. He says, so you're saying I have a chance. Right. <laughs> and so, this is this is my my point. Um, you know, DoD is very clever at uh, communicating, and and most of the time they will answer truthfully, if not in a half truth. But enough will be there where they can wiggle out of it. And I think a lot of what what we're seeing now is Congress is very savvy. These folks are asking absolutely the right questions. Make no mistake; these people are not fools. 
um, these people have been talking exactly to the right people. They know exactly what to ask DOD. And so in essence, they're building a box around DOD. And I think what we can see here are there's going to be other hearings. Um, don't ask me how I know. Just I, if, <laughs> if, I was, if I was a betting man, that'd probably be a pretty good bet. But there'll be other hearings. And so what they have to do is give DOD a chance. And so what they start by saying is, okay, what are you doing? Who are you working with? What are you finding out? And it's all, you know, blase, blase, blase. It's going to be you know, common pleasantries. But what people don't realize is that they're asking questions for a record because now DOD can't wiggle out of the box. And so what was said yesterday, let's go over the facts real quick. UAP are real. UAP are tangible. There's some sort of technical aspect to them. UAP are a national security imperative. They are a priority for this country, and they also are a potential air safety issue. Those four things, for the first time in the history of our country, were now told to the American people for the record. What else happened? You had the Wilson documents submitted for the record. That's going to be interesting. Uh, you also have... Um, other things mentioned, the fact that ATIP, they acknowledge it. Yes, we know about ATIP and we know about Blue Book. Up, up until that day, up until yesterday, there was still discussion of whether or not ATIP was even real or talked about UFOs. Well, guess what? That conversation is now over. You just now had the head of DOD intelligence admitting to you, yes, we are aware of ATIP. Okay, so there's no going back in the conversation now. That's done. It's over. Anybody who wants to argue that is you're, 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 you've missed the train. Um, so those are some of the things that actually happened. Now, there's also a whole laundry list of stuff that we could probably talk about that were inconsistent. But I think I think the, the, I think what happened yesterday was historic. I think it was very good. I think we're going to look back and realize this was really the beginning. Let's not forget it was just a little while ago, a year ago, where the 180 day report came out and everybody, you know, thought it was rather it was a dud. And it was a seven-page, uh, unclassified, nothing burger, as a lot of people like to say. But that's not true, because there was a big classified appendix to it. And it was that information that caused now Congress to start asking the questions that led to the hearings we had yesterday. And so this is a process. I've been, I've been trying to, to, to tell people for, for years now, listen, if you're impatient and you can't wait, please tune out for five years, go get a hobby, and then come back. <laughs> Because this is a process, and I know people are chomping at the bit but, uh, to, to know the answers, but, but this isn't a matter of instant gratification. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. We've got to go back 70 years, maybe more. We've got to start working with our allies. And the worst thing we can do right now is put out some half-baked truths, um, and then it turns out later on that we were wrong, right? So, so we, we really have to do our due diligence. This is not fun and games. And also, we have to remember we we can't we i know people want their pound of flesh i know there's people saying i've been doing this for 25 years and i'm tired of government lying to me and 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 damn it we need to prosecute people look i get it i get it but 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 slow down for a minute what's more important putting people behind bars and putting them on the stand or the truth and yes, look, I, I want my pound of flesh. I mean, I spent four years with, with people attacking me constantly and saying all sorts of horrible things. There's a reason why I live in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, right? Um, but if, if we want, if, if I want the American people to know what I know, it's more important that we get to the truth than me being vindicated. And I can't tell you how many times this week people said, look, you've been vindicated. Even media says, oh, I must feel great. You're now vindicated. It's not about vindication, folks. It's, it's about truth. 
it, it's about it's about disclosure. It's about transparency. And if it means that 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 I I don't get my my day in the spotlight, then that's okay, because it's not about that. It never was about that. I didn't leave the Department of Defense because I wanted my day in the spotlight. I left the Department of Defense, ironically enough, to finish the very mission they gave me in the first place. I didn't ask for it. I'm not a UFO guy. I'm not a ufologist. I never have been. I never will be. I'm a counterterrorism and counterespionage guy. I don't do counterintelligence, counterinsurgencies. That's what I do. And it just so happens that in 2008, I was asked to apply those same skill sets into the UFO community. But I'm not a UFO guy. And so for me, it's all about the truth. Whether I'm hunting a terrorist or a spy or a UFO, the bottom line is the truth is the truth. And, and that's what that's what motivating me and I hope that's what's motivating other people um, so we can hopefully one day maybe offer some sort of amnesty maybe uh, rather than persecuting people for keeping the truth and and, and and hiding the truth for this many years you know rather than than, than, than hold a fist how about let's hold out a hand maybe maybe we need we need to take a different approach and say look um, you know what no more are your non-disclosure agreements going to hold you uh, to anything uh, for the next year and a half. You have amnesty. If you come and you talk to us and you, you tell us what you know and, and help us learn from some of the lessons learned from before, then you know what? Um, nothing bad's going to happen. We're not going to come after you. You're not going to lose your clearance. In fact, you're going to keep your job. And in fact, we're going we're gonna to call you a hero. How about that? Yeah, and I'm okay with that. You, you definitely don't need a Nuremberg trial because nobody will say anything, and, and we certainly don't need any sort of an event like that. We need people to do what you've done and some of your colleagues have done and, and come out and, and sort of tell us uh, what they can and what they know, which will encourage further still uh, people to come out. Um, with that, uh, we only have about uh, 23 less than 23 minutes left, so we've got to get through some, some questions here. And we haven't had... Our experiencer, Steph, get up on the microphone. So before we get into some gearhead talk and we talk about turbos versus naturally aspirated and these types of things, Lou, let me give it up to Stephanie. Okay. And I agree, we do need to squash that stigma. So, you know, it's all of us putting our efforts together and doing so. So, yeah. Um, but speaking on behalf of civilian experiencers, uh, they mentioned yesterday during the hearing that um, there will be a streamlined protocol put in place after declaring a UAP for the military. Now, do you foresee something such as that being put into place for, you know, just the regular civilians and uh, how that would be supported? Stephanie, probably one of the best questions you could possibly ask. Yeah. Um, this really goes to the root of the question uh, that a lot of people have. Yesterday, the Department of Defense testified before Congress saying, yeah, we're not really interested in civilian information. You know, it, yeah. You know, there's a lot of a lot of misinformation and disinformation out there. Now, hold on a second. This is the same government, the same government that when you go to an airport or you go to a subway, they tell you over the announcements, see something, say something. If you see something, we want you to report this to authorities. This is the same government that has 1-800 tip lines, right, that the FBI will willing to pay you up to a million dollars if you can help solve a crime. Yes, you, Joe Public, you, the civilian. Now, wait a minute. The civilian information is good enough to help you solve a crime, capital murder case, right, and help you catch a terrorist. But it's not good enough to help you hunt a UFO? Wait a minute. Say that again? You're telling me that, that the American public, who you work for, by the way, they're your boss, not the other way around. Okay, You're held accountable to them 
and Congress, who are representatives of the people, by the people, you mean to tell me that their information isn't good enough? Yeah. Um, I'm curious your rationale for that, because where I come from, we had everything from back in the old days, civilian air corps, right? And civil air patrol. These are civilians, merchant marines, mm-hmm. right? Saving lives in war, in combat. But now all of a sudden, civilian information, civilian data isn't good for you. Do you see the so you see stuff the contradiction in that right That's so I, I think I think we have further to go um, the question is the real question is how do we validate and verify information because the moment you open the Pandora's box everybody and anybody's going to report information right right and so the question the real question is how do you tease out the good information from maybe the less credible information, because as we know, there's, you know, a lot of, you know, <laughs> less credible information, right? Right. We'll the pixelated okay. images. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you see yeah, so much of that. Sense. You just scroll through where yeah. Yeah, you're going, well, right. why, I don't want to believe any of it if, if yeah. I'm seeing all this false information right. and they did but, notice but the repercussions. Possibly. Steph, there are ways now where we can use algorithms to, to decipher deep fake videos. Imagine hypothetically, and uh, don't quote me on this, please. Yeah. Um, but imagine the capability to to hypothetically comb through thousands, if not millions, of of YouTube videos in a very short period of time with a certain algorithm that all of a sudden can say, "Hey, guess what? Yeah, these are all fake, but these are real, right? Oh, these, yeah. these 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 these." 200 300 over here that, those are legit those are real videos of real something we have no idea what they are all of a sudden now you just narrow that down you've cast a really wide net but caught the very fish that you're looking for without catch, catching all the ash and trash and so there are ways to do it um they're not cheap but they're certainly worthwhile we have the technical capability now um and i think there's also you know a way we can bet maybe we can use some civilian organizations that civilians can report to they can do that immediate triage that vetting and then kick up whatever information seems to be more legit. And look, you can also c- compare and contrast. Chances are, if you're near a military base and military pilots are seeing UAP, chances are if someone's on the ground living in their house, they're probably seeing the same thing. So that data all of a sudden gets a higher level of authenticity, right? And, and when you look at it, it's uh, if you were to give it a grade, let's say, all of a sudden now what appears to be C-grade information, now maybe becomes a B. Because you got two pilots over here reporting the same thing. You have air traffic ATC, air traffic control reporting this. You've got maybe a local sheriff in a, in a town also reporting it, right? Now that information becomes much more valuable. And so there are ways to do this. Lou, um, yeah. if, you could, if you could on this one, if you could reach down on your M4, I'd like you to go from semi-auto to auto or burst for this rapid fire round. Would you do that, please? Would you switch over? Thank you. 10-4, Wilco. Okay, switched over. We're on burst because uh, our our Elizondo time is dwindling faster than this hip is going to be on my body, which is being replaced tomorrow. Zero five hundred. But anyway, uh, Lou, um, the the question I had was first of all, um, there is a depiction in a uh, a documentary I saw, and I just just sort of a yes or no. It, It did there at any point two individuals walk into your office when you were in ATIP, present a folder to you without identifying themselves, uh, let you look through that folder and walk out? Uh, give me a second to recall. Um, 
No, they always, I always had people identify themselves in my office. I, I was in a very, very secure location. Um, there's, there's no way anybody would come in without me knowing exactly who they are. If you knew who they were, did they show you a folder that had some things that were outside of your program? I was shown a lot of things out. Uh, I was shown a lot of things in folders all the time. Um, it could program. very, there were people that came in and there were two, sometimes two people that would come in and they would absolutely show me things. Um, that is true. But as yeah. far as not knowing people, there were never strangers. There was, I would live, I had like a concentric ring of security. I was a vault within a skiff, within a secure corridor, within a, it was, it, I had other, another job that was extremely sensitive as well, uh, working some program for the White House. And so um, I always knew who was coming in, except for okay. in the very, very beginning. And, and I, they introduced themselves to me. Okay, this is a two-banger, so you knew who they were. Pretend we're in a dirt track car. We're just going – we only have two gears to work with. We're going into high right now. Um, so with this next one, it, if there were a if, – if you had uh, a program that you wanted to conceal and so – and prevent people with a need to know that, that, that could meet that standard, that criteria – what type of a program would you have where you could people have people like the SecDef not briefed in on it, the president, the joint staff? What type of a construct would you have to have in order to have a program that would hide something that could very very like simple, that? very and, simple. You t you take it out of Title Ten, you put it under Title Fifty. Super easy. You take it out of DoD channels, you put it under Covert Action. Done. And, and in terms of funding, if you have people that are on an intelligence committee uh, that are uh, basically they're, they're funding a, a clin within a contract and they don't know what's going on, where that money's going. They're not aware of, of where that happens all the time. That's okay. why you have government accountability office, the GAO office, okay. because they do audits all the time because that happens. Millions of dollars each year goes to to support programs that have zero oversight. And they should have oversight. Okay. So it is possible to have a construct whereby something could be, uh, for all intents and purposes, hidden and not. Sure. And then you have had things such as even the DOD of uh, uh, unacknowledged wave saps. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways. If you wanted to hide a program, you certainly could hide a program very, very easily. Uh, okay. If you were in a position to do it, now the average person, no, they're not going to be able to do it because you have to be, you have to be read right on, you have to have authorities, you have to have access to the systems, you got to be, you got to have certain certificates on your wall uh, to show that you, you know, have those type of tickets and training. Uh, but yeah, you 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 can do. It. There's there are super users in the intelligence community that have access to all sorts of things, and and a lot of them don't have a whole lot of oversight. And the sec def doesn't know. Okay. Uh, well, the SecDef should know if it's Title Ten. Okay. If it's Title it. Fifty, then the SecDef doesn't. Then the Director of CIA should know, and the Director of National Intelligence, who should know everything in right, essence, the DNI. Civilian, got it. Nathan. Uh, so yesterday, Representative Krishnamurti asked whether we've attempted to communicate with UAP, and he was told we've not made any attempts of that nature. Um, assuming that we indeed may have or might try to communicate with UAP, and speaking more broadly to your efforts regarding greater engagement with the phenomenon through things like increased public awareness, scientific study, international cooperation and collaboration. What is our best assessment for how UAP or the phenomenon might respond to our outreach? In short, if we call out to it, will it and how might it respond? Well, 
look, there's all sorts of nonverbal communication, isn't there? Look, I have I have four German shepherds, and uh, I like to think that I've trained them, you know, and they go out to the bathroom and their house broken, but in reality, they've trained me. You know, they tell me when they're hungry. They tell me when they're when they got to go to the bathroom. You know, they they jump on my bed and they tell me when they want attention. So in, in essence, it's two way communication. It's nonverbal, right? Um, we can sit across the hall from each other and I can wave to you and I'm waving an intent. You can turn around and shoot me the bird and I, I can figure out what, what you mean by that. Um, communication doesn't have to be verbal. And I think that uh, when we when we look at something like this, um, case in point, I've used this a lot. When there's a Russian bear reconnaissance aircraft off the coast of Alaska, Okay. It's not communicating with, it's not squawking. It's not, not getting on the comms saying, hi guys, we're here. We're just going to surveil you. What, what do we do? We, 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 we scramble two F-22s out of, out of Alaska and we go on an intercept mission. Now we don't talk to them, but we just get really, really close and let them know, Hey buddy, if you step over this line, bad things are going to happen. Uh, are we communicating intent? You're damn right. We are. And are they commuting intent? Absolutely. They are right. So there's all sorts of ways to communicate. Some could argue that fact that if you have something loitering around, a sh- loitering around a U.S. Navy vessel for three or four hours, that could be an attempt to communicate, right? Hey, I'm here. You can see me here. I'm not necessarily want anything from you, but but I want you to know that I'm here, and I know that you know that. So that's communication. Um, there's, you know, if, if I go and I disable a, a, a nuclear flight uh, here in the United States and knock 10 ICBM missiles offline, um, I'm communicating a capability, <laughs> making a mistake very clearly. And if I go to Russia and I decide instead of turning them off, turning them on, I'm, I'm also communicating a very clear message, right? So, oh, but that so never we, happened, Lou. That's just in the media. I mean, I, I mean, come on. Yeah. So, so you Lou, can, are you saying that yeah, uh, ask when, the Russians when when Bray responds that we weren't communicating? Is, is that kind of a, a very narrow banded way of, of 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 dodging that? Because what you're saying is yeah, we yeah. communicate not in the way that you know we think of normal communication. What he's saying is we're not picking up the horn and saying, uh, "Hey, Joe uh, or Marty the Martian, what's going on? What are you doing?" <laughs> Uh, can I buy a cup of coffee and come on down here? I'll have my people call your people. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll do lunch. No, that's of course that's not going on. You know, uh, but are there calls over the radio and saying, you know, identify yourself and uh, are you are they squawking friend or foe on the transponders? Uh, what's your intent? If you come within 300 meters of the ship, we will engage you with lethal force as they do anytime you come by with a boat. Um, you know, I suspect there's all sorts of communication that's being attempted. Um, but, you know, look, I, I got to let these guys speak um, at some point. I think more pointed questions are going to be asked. And, you know, I think you're probably going to see some of that change a little bit. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Uh, thank you, Mr. Lou. And next we have Flarius. So this is our rapid fire. Do you have something? For Mr. Um, all right. So you mentioned a phase going forward in which there will be a push towards taking the topic mainstream. So does this mean uh, we get to look forward to Lou Elizondo lip-syncing to pop music on TikTok? Yeah! Yeah, I, I'm not a big Millie Vanilli fan, uh, <laughs> so I'm not good at lip-syncing. Oh, um, I could do it with you, man. We could do it together, listen, you know. Brother, face, look, face I've tried a few times to even <laughs> sing in the shower, and, you know, my wife, my dogs, my neighbors, I mean, I'm getting, like, the cops called on me. It's bad. So, uh, no, I think, um, look, there's there's a public push, and as far as mainstream, we're there. I mm. mean, look, look. Yesterday I was on CNN, Fox News, uh, Canadian TV. You now have Canadian Parliament 
that is engaging in, uh, you know, for example, Representative Moultrie. You've got our Congress involved. You've got hearings going on. I mean, I don't know how more mainstream we need to be at this point when the entire world is covering our hearings on UFOs. And now we have a law where we have to work with our foreign allies. It is mainstream. Um, the only thing that's not mainstream is ufology. Okay, we've got to get ufology out of the dark ages. We've got to get them out of the, the conspiracy theory arena and, and start focusing, okay, look, the topic's here. You got what you want. Congratulations. Now, now we have a responsibility to the general public because the first place that the general public's going to look are ufologies for answers. And if we keep going down the same rabbit hole of, you know, I know the truth because the Pleiades and this told me so, <laughs> that's not helpful. Look, maybe so, but the rest of the world is going to have a really hard time with it. So so let's stick with the facts. And then if you have an opinion, preface it as opinion. Look, I've got lots of opinions. Some of them are probably wrong. I'm okay with that. Cool. Ask my wife. Most of mine are wrong, probably. But <laughs> that's why I keep my opinions mostly to myself. And mm -hmm. I try to stick with the facts because I don't want to muddy the waters. You have a bigger responsibility now. This is not a hobby anymore. This is not just fun and games. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fleeting interest. No. You're now an ambassador for all of us. You have a responsibility to take this topic with, with deadly seriousness. This is a conversation that's just as serious about talking to a loved one about cancer. Now, fortunately, there's a good outcome here, but this is a serious topic. You're asking people, and I'm sure Deb can tell you, we're asking people to challenge their very psyche, the very essence of what it means to be a human being, the way they were raised, Culturally, religiously, politically, in every single way, you're saying, hey, listen, a lot of things you were told, turns out, may not be entirely accurate. So uh, let's have a talk, shall we? Um, we got to handle this responsibly. We got to have a, a delicate situation with people like talking to kids about sex, right? I know it's uncomfortable. We don't want to do it, but it's better to hear it from us than to hear it from somebody that you don't want them to hear it from, you know, or worse, experience it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important that we have this, this talk and we have to police ourselves and we have to hold ourselves now to a higher standard because people are really looking, people are paying attention. Some people are excited. Some people are scared. Some people don't know what to think. And, and this is why every single one of you, and I'm sure Deb can, can probably jump in if she wants to on this. We, we have, we have a big responsibility on our shoulders and we have to, to, really come together uh, and the community the ufo community really has to start acting like a community stop acting like a bunch of childish children fighting each other and, and and throwing insults and accusing each other and start working together because if you really really want disclosure really really want it then then you're 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 going to have to change some of the ways you're doing business that's that's my personal opinion and by the way that that advice includes me too so I'm not coming down here from upon high on some mountain and pointing down saying, you people shall. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm one of you guys. I'm down here looking up saying, what, what do we do? So so I get it. Um, but that's that's that would be my advice. Okay, Alu, we have a little less. We have almost, uh, what do we have left there? We have six minutes, about almost five minutes now. Deb has a question for you, and that's probably going to be our last question. We get you out of here in one hour. Right. So actually, I, I did have a question about the AI that you mentioned earlier. I would love to talk about mental health, but that would be a whole hour. <laughs> but yeah. that's a whole other thing. But yes, the AI, you, you had spoken about it on Vinny's show, um, Disclosure Team. And I was wondering shout if there was the yep, shout out Vinny. I was wondering if there was any follow up on where that AI went, what what happened to it, if we're going to see it again. 
yeah, it's 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 being worked on. It's it's expensive. I mean, it's really expensive. Notice how we never ask anybody for donations, right? Uh, unlike a lot of other people, say, hey, give me your money. Nope, never ask you for a penny. Um, it takes a lot of lot of darn money to make something like that. We're working with the best of the best, who, by the way, have day jobs. They have real jobs too, uh, and you know, so they volunteer a lot of their time and and and, and sweat equity uh, to build this. Um, there's actually now some competing efforts, which I love. Um, I think it's fantastic. Let's get everybody out here and and see which one works best uh, and see which ones work you know better for different situations, and maybe they can all work together. Wouldn't that be great? Um, right now, it's it's important that uh, you know. Unfortunately, I'm just one person. So a lot of my time gets diverted. Uh, I, I live my life in seven and a half minute incre increments, unfortunately. Um, so for every seven and a half minutes I dedicate to AI, it's seven and a half minutes I can't dedicate to, to Congress or I can't dedicate to this or I can't dedicate to, to some other efforts that are going on behind the scenes or I can't dedicate to mainstream media. And so, and I can't dedicate to my family as a father and as a husband or as a citizen. Uh, so it's, it's, um, it's it's tough, but fortunately we have some very very good people working on it, and the AI is 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 moving forward quite quite well. And with that, uh, thank you, Lou, uh, for that. And uh, we have to start our our goodbyes uh, so that we can get DJ. You can I here. say one thing, please? Yes, yes, sir. I just want to say thank God for for Deb and Steph. Um, look, ladies, I I I. I I have a household full of women. My, I have two daughters and, and a lovely wife. And, and up until recently, even the dog was a girl. So uh, I, I am an extremely blessed man. And I think I think women are the greatest accomplishment of God. And I don't care what anybody thinks. That's what I think. Um, you guys have a voice. And, and ufology and the topic of UFOs and UAPs is in desperate need of hearing your voice. We need it. Please, please, please. Uh, I know there's a lot of loud, obnoxious voices out there, but but sometimes a whisper can be heard louder than a shout. And I just want to thank you for for stepping forward and having this conversation because I know right now there are some young women watching this right now, and they're looking at you for inspiration. We need you on the scene. So thank you, thank you truly for what you do. Thank, thank you, Leo. Yeah. Steph. Oh, Steph, I don't know if her mic is her mic oh. is working. Go ahead, yeah. Miss Steph. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. That's very gracious and kind of you. And uh, yeah, I do uh, look forward to passing the torch to the younger generation as well. So I hope that the, the young ladies are listening and, uh, you know, they're going to gain some new insight and information on, uh, you know, things that we never really thought that we'd be discussing. I think this soon, this is this is pretty cool to me. So you know, I'm learning something new every day and we all have voices here and we all want to be heard as well. So thank you for, for recognizing that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank I, you. Yeah. This, uh, uh, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry, Debs. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't shut me up, Lou. That was the thing. <laughs> I, I, I started with that in the beginning. And now I've, I've told people I pretty much want to talk to everyone. There are some people that I have to swallow my own personal opinion and whatever to talk to them but i want to give everyone that chance to talk and that's what a lot of people have been missing for a long time right yeah, yeah. 
we're extremely fortunate to have these. And Nathan and I wanted to have female voices on the show. We didn't want it to be just guys. Uh, we wanted to bring in people from these different backgrounds, and and we were able to do that. Just like Nathan and I have very different backgrounds, and and so uh, it's a blessing to be part of this this show for for me personally. Uh, Kevin, uh, say your goodbyes, please, to Luke. Okay, I will start with my goodbye. So, um, so as someone who's trained teachers, I've learned to recognize when um, other people display those uh, qualities necessary for becoming one. So whenever I turn into you, I'm seeing skills in communication, listening, collaboration, adaptability, patience. So you're a teacher, Lou. So I'm reminded of a, a quote by Terrence McKenna I'd like to uh, read to you. All right, so um, it goes, uh, so nature loves courage. You make the commitment and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. This is a trick. This is what all the teachers and philosophers who really counted, who really touched the alchemical goal. This is what they understood. This is the shamanic dance in the waterfall. This is how magic is done by hurling yourself into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. That's what you've done. You've hurled yourself into the abyss for us, man. So thank you for that. Kevin, that was beautiful and very touching. Thank you very much. I, I, that was a wonderful gift you gave me. Thank you. Well, thank you. And Deb, I, I didn't want to step on your goodbye. So if you have something else that you'd like to say, please do. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was having some issues. Interestingly enough, it never happened before. I wonder what that's about. But anywho, um, yeah, I can only see part of the private chat now. Um, so I just wanted to say all of us at CAB are aware of your sacrifices and the sacrifices made by your family. Lou, we're very aware. We talk about it all the time. Um, we would not be taking um, talking about the hearings that happened yesterday um, if you had not handed in that resignation letter. It's been an honor to get to talk to you today. It's an honor to get to say thank you today for your service, both for your country, our country, and with your efforts on the UAP topic. I wanted to urge you to stay and continue to give us breadcrumbs because we're going to miss that. We're going to miss the, your desire for real data, your exploration of all the hypothesis, your push for the science, um, your passion for transparency, your vulnerability, and your resilience with a very complicated crowd. You have all Twitter. <laughs> and if you do have to go, I will take the comment, ask me in five years as a promise that you're going to return. In the meantime, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Deb, if I may, thank you very much. Just a quick reminder, it's always been a team effort. I'm just one person. And actually, I think yesterday's hearings are more a reflection of your accomplishments and achievements than mine. Um, you all decided to pick up the baton and run with it. Um, I, I Again, I'm one voice in, a, in an awfully big crowd. Um, but together, uh, our voices were heard. And, and Congress is paying attention and listening to you. Um, so uh, as very much as you, I, I appreciate your comments. Um, honestly, a lot of that credit goes, goes to you all. Thank you, Lou. Steph, I, I don't want to deprive, I didn't know if you got your goodbye out there, so please. Uh, that's no problem. I, I froze up a bit. Um, well, I, I'll make it quick. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your service. I truly do appreciate that and recognize that. And all of our servicemen and women, 
thank you for all that you do for us. Um, I am looking, also looking forward to, well, hopefully you having some extra time to relax and practice some Muay Thai. That would be nice to see because we know all the effort that you've put in for, towards this subject. I'm way too old for that. I'm a lover, not a fighter cool. these days. Well, you need I'll a boxing bag. Something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I have that in the garage. You get some frustration now, but I'm my age <laughs> of, uh, of that stuff. I'll, I'm sure I'll break something. Shadow boxing won't hurt anybody. <laughs> but um, and then also, I'm just looking forward to your book and what you have in the future for everybody. So thank you. Thank All you, right. Steph. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a, a, a bright young voice. Uh, for this topic. And uh, I, I suspect you're going to have a very, very uh, bright future in this. And uh, just remember um, my word of advice, always stay humble, stay true to yourself, and uh, and you're going to do just fine. Thank you. Money Nathan, the man who needs no introduction. Yeah, Thank you, Lou. Um, there's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis about Jacob wrestling with God in the night, and, and Jacob survives the ordeal, and is this story which sort of forms part of the bedrock for the history of the Jewish people and of Israel. And in a similar way, you know, we've been wrestling with this topic for a very, very long time. And after the hearing, I was reminded of the great strides we have made up until now, and I felt a deep sense of appreciation for the many wrestlers in this field who have preceded us in grappling with this profound mystery. And there is a very real sense in which we are on the cusp of a paradigm shift in not only our understanding, but also in our conscious awareness of who we are and of where life happens to be. And we are one human family. And just like any family, the UFO community sometimes makes a mess and it struggle to find the truth, a truth which seems to speak to something deep inside of us and who we are and, and where we're going. And Lou, I just wanted to thank you for wrestling along with us and may we all find the answers which we seek. Nathan, thank you very much. Um, you know, let us, let us not put dominion over the creator or, or, or its creation. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that religion gets right. Um, if we just, just learn to, to listen. Um, and it doesn't matter what religion really, um, and any way to get closer to, to that creator um, is, is, is probably probably okay. Um, you know, we are we are a very fragile species. Um, we 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 need guidance. Um, I don't care who you are. We all we all need guidance. Um, there are some very dark places in this world uh, where where I've I've seen true evil, and it's there and it exists. Um, you know, it's um, maybe it's the trials and tribulations for our species. Um, I ultimately, in the day, I don't think this topic at all um, at all compromises or challenges the notion of God in any way. In fact, if anything, I think it it only emboldens uh, our 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 ability to expand maybe our own preconceived conceptions of what God may be. No different than when Galileo first pr proposed that the the Earth was not the center of the solar system. And there were a lot of people who thought that was going to challenge at the time religion. Turns out that it didn't. And in fact, the same holds true in in, in Judaism and even in uh, Islam. There have been people along the way that have have made observations of nature, 
that were perceived initially to contradict the word of God. And only afterwards did we realize that it did. It actually reinforced the notion of this, this, this ultimate authority, if you will, uh, this, this architect of the universe, um, and only increases our wonder. So, so thank you very much, Nathan. And I think, I think theology has a very, um, I think it has a seat at the table uh, for, for this topic. I, I, I'm not sure we can have this conversation, frankly, without, without having some of our religious leaders part of this conversation. You know, uh, the beauty that you just heard and experienced is why I love being part of this group. Because, I mean, how do I, how do I follow what you just heard from, from Steph and from Kevin and then Debs was amazing. And then of course, money, Nathan, you just kind of close your eyes and you just get lost in there. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, Lou, uh, it's, it's an honor to speak with you, uh, from the bottom of my heart. I thank you for, uh, you and your team breaking through this 50 year long barrier since 69 or 68, I believe when we, when we had the last set of hearings that uh, we certainly would not have without, um, you interceding and your group and uh, becoming a bit of a disruptor uh, on the topic. Um, you know, I, I again, I, I really can't top what they said except to, to really just say thank you, and I hope that uh, we get to speak to you again at some point, and uh, it, it was an honor to, to do so today. Well, DJ, thank you for, for your, your sacrifice and your service to our nation. Um, I know what you guys went through, especially being part of uh, AFSOC, um, you know, that your country owes you a great debt. But on a lighter note, you didn't let me finish the question that you asked me. You said turbo or naturally aspirated. Let's go, baby. And there's, an, there's another category, supercharged. Mm. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, you know, are you down for like a, a, a V6 Formula One twin turbo type of setup with the hybrid? Or are you more like you want to see a couple four barrels on top of it with a supercharged? What's your, your you know, it depends on what day of the week. Um, when I start off on a Monday, I'm ready for like a 1964 and a half AC Cobra with a 427 and a six pack uh, on it. Uh, by the time I get to midweek, I'm probably uh, I'm getting to the point where I want something probably a little little beefier, something off road, maybe a, a newer model Ram 3500 with the off road package, skid plates, you know, and uh, really low for really low end rear end. And by the time I get to like Saturday, I'm ready for like a 1999 Cadillac D'Elegance. That's literally a, a, a floating couch on the highway where I can sit there and I can lay back and I can sit back and literally turn the entire wheel with a finger. And I look like that little old man from Miami. And I can actually be that guy I always hated when I was growing up in Miami. Right. That guy, that blue Cadillac that was always getting in your way. That would always pull out in traffic, sit doing 30 miles an hour in the fast lane, right? And you pass him, he's wearing the flowered shirt. And of course, he just smiles at you. And you're like, man, that's what I want to be. That's where I want to be. So on a Saturday, that's me. And I want to do exactly that. And the bigger, the better. I want a boat, man. I want a blue canoe. I want to be there. <laughs> and I want to hold up 10 lanes of traffic. I want everybody honking and... I want Lou, to be there. We'll get you a seventy-one. Have, we'll get you seventy-one Black Fleetwood, man. That's what you need, man. I'll take it or a Bonneville. I'll take a Bonneville. Bonneville. Let's do it. All right. That's what oh, I want. I want a Pontiac boat. guy. All right. Um, so Nathan, and I had one more question. You, you know, you can tell a lot about a man 
by how he simonizes his car. So are you a spray wax guy or are you a carnuba kind of like put on one or two layers? Where are you at when it comes to this? this my question or yes, Nathan? My, I, my, this is our question for you. No, my son-in-law. I don't do that as shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care what he uses. No, that's why I got daughters. As long yeah. as it gets it on no, there. Yeah. Me? No, that's 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 what I used to do, brother. I, <laughs> I've got I've got son-in-laws now. <laughs> I we're don't not care what they use. We are wax not going to wax off. I don't care if you're using you know crystal or spray on. As long as it looks good, you know. And by the way, come on, hurry up. I want to go get, go to get some dinner. <laughs> All right, make that damn thing clean. All right, so for Steph, for Kevin, for Debs, for Money Nathan, this is DJ saying peace out. And for Lou Elizondo, peace out, one love, and we will see you down the road. We're Thank always you guys. wondering what's up around the bend. Very much. Love the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Thanks, you. Love. Peace.